What's up, everyone? Thank you for joining us on the Heal Outreach Podcast. My name is Daniel, and you can follow us on Google Podcasts, Facebook, Anchor, and pretty much all those social media platforms. Uh, today, we're going to try something different. We have access to the video podcast on Spotify. So we're just going to go ahead and run with it and see how everything goes. So not the best uh, video editor. I'm not a professional uh, YouTube or anything. So um, bear with me as I work out everything and see where this leads us. So today we're going to talk about reconciliation. Um, recently, we went into one of the prisons in the state of Florida, and we were able to talk to a, a bunch of the guys there and it seemed like the topic that really like came up the most was reconciliation so i figured why not talk about that on our podcast and uh, be able to help people out in the communities and society be able to maybe think about how they can help loved ones if they do have loved ones that are in prison and how they can help them heal and, and reconcile any re relationship. So before we get into that, I would like to read a testimony that I received from one of the inmates. Um, and it's called these God people are crazy. A testimony of a lifer by Jimmy Jimbo Daniel. And it says, as I reminisce about the time Mercy called my name, I remember thinking these God people are crazy. Being reared in an ultra-abusive, non-believing home, I did not have any concept of God and no desire for religion of any kind. I came to prison in 1978, severely addicted to PCP and quaaludes. But between the in-home abuses and the drugs, I had become extremely violent, and by the age of 19, I was a boy with a plethora of emotional and mental problems. And by 20, I was facing the electric chair for murder. Hatred for my dad, anger, and self-loathing were my dominant character traits. The Florida prison system of the 1970s, a pressure cooker that promoted violence and immorality, only added fuel to the already blazing furnace of the hate, anger, and violence that permeated my heart. After several years of living the prison dream, I had risen to the top of the prison food chain. I was a shot caller, chain gang rich. I was feared, hated, loved, and I did not care if I lived or died. In my heart, I had been dead already for many years. I had no reason to change, not even a thought about religion of any kind, but God. One day, while on the wait pile at Dade Correctional Institution, I was invited to sign up for a three-day Christian retreat called Kairos. Immediately, I declined, and I wanted nothing to do with religion. Yet, mysteriously, a month later, I showed up on a list of approved participants. The decision to attend, though motivated not by a desire to know God, but rather the home-cooked food promised throughout the weekend, would be the most important and life-transforming decision of my life. During the three-day weekend, I heard my many incredible testimonies, witnessed numerous acts of kindness, experienced an atmosphere of unconditional love, heard about a man named Jesus who suffered and died a six-hour-long, excruciating, painful death, and met some amazing people, two of which 
would be instruments of God to change the course of my life from that time forward. Initially, I wanted nothing to do with any of their singing, praying, and especially hugging. I had never hugged a man in my life at this time, not even my dad. And these God people were big on the hugging stuff. I was only interested in their food. After two and a half days of spiritual warfare I knew nothing about and warring with thoughts of and emotions I had never experienced, I asked a free world man whom had introduced himself as Joey Papa Joe Ramirez if there was a place we could go to talk privately. He led me to a room where there was an old, sad-eyed man praying for everyone throughout the entire weekend. As we walked into the room, I was immediately confronted with the smells of oil and burning candles and some kind of presence, a sort of thickness in the air that I had literally pushed through to enter in the room. As I noticed the old man, I told Papa Joe, I can't talk in front of that guy. Papa Joe's response was to turn a chair so that it faced him while motioning for me to sit and telling me, don't worry about him, just focus on me. He's only praying for people. He further exclaimed to me that this man would pray for the entire three and a half days of the program and never leave the room. I thought to myself, man, these God people are crazy for real. Who does that kind of stuff? When I sat and faced Papa Joe, I suddenly had an overwhelming desire to pour out my soul to this man. I'm feeling things I had never felt before, Papa Joe, and I don't know how to deal with it, I began. And from there, I poured out my soul. I told Papa Joe things that no one else ever had known and secrets I never thought I would share. As I did so, tears began to fall from my eyes for the first time since I was 10 years old. My dad used to beat me for crying, so at age 10, I decided to never cry again. My tears were filled with the pain, loneliness, and fears and shame of my entire life. Suddenly, I felt a hand on my shoulder gently turning me. I looked at that ancient, work-scarred hand, and then in, into the yellow, sad eyes of the man that I had forgotten about. And as I did, he said to me, Son, I want you to know something. Jesus loves you, and so do I. The touch of this hand and those simple words hit me right in my heart from, with a force that literally knocked me back into my chair and then onto my knees, weeping profusely as God used this man to lead me in crying out to God for salvation. Mercy called my name through those two men who would be to me my spiritual fathers until the days of their passing. Since I have stumbled, tripped, and even fallen a few times in my pubescent phase of growing in Christ, but God has blessed me beyond description in spite of my failings. He has healed my mind, given me a new heart, and delivered me from the bondage of sin, pain, and anger. In hatred that cost the lives of the victims in my case and sought to destroy me as well, God has reconciled my mother, brother, and son to me and blessed me with three amazing grandchildren, Jenna, Jessica, and Joey. But most of all, God has embraced me in the arms of his own mercy, grace, and love. He has adopted me as a son, accepted me in the beloved, and clothed me in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He has forgiven my sin and my sins 
and shown me that true freedom is not found in being out of prison, but rather being in relationship with him. In that relationship, God is continuing to teach, nurture, and sustain me with great patience while I grow daily from grace to grace. Today, in 2021, I'm a student of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary at RDCI and growing daily in my relationship with Jesus thanks to his grace and the awesome family of brothers he has blessed me to be surrounded by here in the church of Hardy. If you need deliverance from the bondage of a wounded heart, wayward mind, sin-dead spirit, and the links in the shackle of loneliness, pain, anger, addiction, and violence that imprison you, and wish to experience the freedom that can only be found in relationship with Jesus Christ, I plead with you, I implore you, I beg you to call out to God and be loose from the slavery of sin, death, and freed unto life, both now and eternally. Over the years as a Christian, I have heard many powerful, moving sermons by some great men of God, but none as powerful to me as that first one and the one I leave you with now. Jesus loves you, and so do I. Wow. So when I think about that, you know, there were so many men in there that have been in prison and they went to prison at 15, 16, 17 years old, and they did a crime that was probably very terrible or violent, and they received life without the possibility of parole. And it's just, it's so hard to think about. And I know it's rough when you're on the other side of it and you're thinking about, you know, the victims and, but just to think about if at 16, 15, if I did something out of emotion and didn't know how to deal with it and reacted the wrong way and that one decision determined that I would spend the rest of my life in prison, huh. like, how do you reconcile that? How do you forgive yourself for that? And you're sitting in prison for 20, 30, 40 years. Some of these men have been, that we were speaking to, have been locked up for 40 years or more. And they're walking with the newness and just peace of Christ, knowing that they are forgiven. And while they might not have reconciled with society as far as with family members and everyone else. They are able to walk around with the peace and be able to pass off, you know, their understanding of what God did for them and give a testimony that, that God loves you and me and everybody else and just has given us a way to give up our old selves, to die to our flesh, basically. And just thinking about that, it, 
it, it really spoke to me and I felt like the fact that so many people want reconciliation and want the their relationships to come back to where they were used where they used to be or you know just try to at least receive forgiveness from that person and or society and to know that some of the comments on on our facebook page and um some of our posts it's all the all those people in prison deserve to be in prison for the rest of their life or they deserve to die and it's like do you know everybody in that prison do you know everybody is locked up because i don't and i did 10 years in prison so for you to say that everybody deserves to be in there and deserves it just shows that society as a whole is walking around with a a biased mentality that they've been taught from either their parents or just the rest of society and it's not right like we need we need to learn to do better even especially the christian community you know we say that we love everyone and that we're christians and we're doing the right thing and but are you really are you really loving everybody because if you were loving everyone you wouldn't walk around with that mentality that oh well they're in prison they deserve it and while yes i i do believe that um when you commit a crime that you should uh, pay the consequence for that crime i don't think that the rest of society should hold on to a biased mentality because then that creates bitterness and hatred in your heart. So I think it, it's time to learn to love others. So those men in prison, a lot of them don't have family members that come to talk to them um, that don't even write them let alone come visit them. Just if you could see the the look on somebody's face when somebody comes in and says, Hey, you got to visit. It's, it's the world to somebody in prison and it means a lot to them. And it's understandable that there's, there's a lot of family that they don't, like to see their loved ones in prison so they won't go see them and that's understandable and i think that learning to one as somebody that was in prison you know you have to learn to get over that that thinking that somebody has to come see you they don't have to come see you um, as long as they are loving you and you know eventually god will speak to their heart and reconcile whatever relationship that they're that you and them are supposed to have and you know when we think about like the mentalities and everything in prison i just want to kind of 
go back to um, how I used to think when I was in prison and I used to write poetry and I would uh, just speak my emotions onto paper. So um, I was going to read a couple of the poems that I wrote just so you could see like where I stood mentally and um, then go from there. So the first one's called Friend or Foe. And it goes, I think to myself in my, my own friend or foe. Sometimes I think I don't even know. Breaking down to near mental insanity, sometimes my mind can be my own worst enemy. Am I out to do good for myself or is it just bad intentions? I swear if it's for bad, my mind will ponder up any inventions. It seems as though my mind is on self-destruction's broad path, leaving me to deal with the aftermath. Again, I ask myself, am I, uh, am I my own friend or foe? And yet the answer still, still stays the same. I don't even know. But it was when I started looking toward, towards God and reading my word that I started to see differently. And that's when my heart started to change. And I'm living proof that people in there can change. So for the people that say that when you go to prison, you know, they're just going to stay the same or they're just going to do the same things or they're just going to be the same person when they get out. So why even bother? Um, I'm living proof that that's different. It's not true. So this, this second poem is called The Answer. Heaven knows I can rise up much further than this, but it seems like I'm stuck in a bottomless pit. I'm stuck. I look up to the Father and ask, what's the answer to the riddle? The only words that come from his mouth is I told you not to play with the devil and his fiddle. But it was so tempting, Lord. What could I say? Except that I want to learn how to play. He tricked me and told me that it would be fun and easy, but I had no idea the devil was so greasy. Now I'm stuck regressing and I see nothing around me. Oh snap, that's the answer to the first part of this riddle. I open my eyes and now I can see. I look around and what do I see? Nothing but a glass fixture with sand falling on top of my head. I think to myself, is this my final resting place? Am I to stay here until I end up dead? Am I to sit here and do nothing? And why does the sand keep on falling? Why couldn't I just be smart and answer to the Lord's calling? There it is, the answer to the second part of this riddle. I'm stuck in a 10-year hourglass all because I wanted to play with the devil and his fiddle. So I get on my knees, getting ready to pray. And to my surprise, what do I see? Nothing else but the word of God sitting right there next to me. I open it up and read what's inside. That's when the answers begin to unfold. When I'm done, I notice the sand has stopped falling. And I'm no longer young, but I'm starting to get old. I close my eyes and begin to pray to the Lord, repenting of my sins. And when I open my eyes, I'm no longer inside the hourglass, but I'm in the real world again. The Lord has shown me that there is one key point to this riddle, and that is to stay away from the devil and his fiddle. Now I finally have the chance to start life anew. But my only advice for those who follow my path is with God, you can do time and time won't do you. So yeah, 
that is just like a progression of kind of what I went through in prison. I was at first still wanting to get in trouble, still fighting, still hurt inside. And then once I started to look to God, that's when I started to find peace and was able to walk around knowing that everything was going to be okay and that I could just live for God and be peaceful and happy and love others, even my enemies, even the people that try to do me harm. And I think as a society, if we can give up that, that notion that, oh, well, if they hurt me, then cancel them. Or if they offend me, cancel them. You know, that's, we got to get out of that mentality that you just stop talking to people. You know, if they offended you, then bring it up to them, reconcile with them. You know, in uh, Matthew 18, 21 through 22, it says, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So when Peter asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive somebody? And Jesus replied, 70 times seven. He was just saying that, you know, as, as much as they are doing you know we should keep on forgiving them because if we hold on to that unforgiveness that offense we're just going to be building bitterness and hatred and then we're not walking in love we're not uh, displaying the fruits of the spirit if we're holding on to offense and bitterness and then if you look at Matthew six fourteen through 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So in our blog, I kind of wrote, I pray that our communities can look into their hearts and see what biased mentality they hold and learn to love in a new way. If you realize that you're holding on to offense or unforgiveness, Maybe try praying this prayer. God in heaven, forgive me for holding on to unforgiveness or being biased. May I learn to forgive as you forgive. Please help me to love as you love. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's something that I I really adopted into my life. Um, because, again, even getting out of prison and just dealing with transitioning into society and uh dealing with my emotions and learning to uh be around people again and learning to hold a job and um learning to drive around people and people cutting me off and and all that stuff like i had to deal with how to properly respond in that in those situations and you know it's real easy for me to just keep on going the rest of my life and saying, Hey, you know what? I hate this or I hate you or, you know, and realize that that's where 
like the core of my anger was coming from. So when I started praying to God, Lord, help me love as you love, I started realizing that like God was slowly chiseling away the rock that was my heart. And it just, it was like a, a new me and I can now like drive down the road and not feel uh, angry at people and I can pray for people. And as people do things, I can see the best in them. And, you know, and people ask us why, like why continue to work with these people that they keep on relapsing and going back to drugs or alcohol or going back to doing the life of crime. Like why continue? And it's like, cause Jesus was the prime example of saying, Hey, 70 times seven, keep on forgiving them. Why should I hold on to, for that, 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 that bitterness and unforgiveness or offense? I'm not going to hold on to that. I'm going to love them and show them the love of Christ. You know, what better way to exemplify the love of Christ than to continue to love them and say, Hey, you know what, as a society, as a community, we're going to continue to work with you. We're going to continue to help you. And I understand that right now you're dealing with spiritual battles that you don't even understand right now. But if you can just start looking to God daily and say, I'm going to choose to not sin today or not play with the devil and his fiddle. I'm going to continue to pray to you, Lord, and please help me and strengthen me. And once we get to a point that we can say that we are loving as Jesus loved us, as if we're willing to lay down our life for our neighbors, like he said, like it's, that's the greatest act, you know, to be able to say, I'm not giving up on you. And that's the point of this podcast. And this is the point of um, our whole ministry is to let people know uh, if you're struggling out there, like we're here. And even if you just need somebody to talk to event to, you know, you can call into us and say, Hey, I need somebody to talk to. And we're here for you. And we're going to show you the love of Christ. And we're also here for the communities and to help them, and especially the, the church communities to help them to be able to relate with these men and women that have been in prison and be able to tell them like, Hey, I know you feel uncomfortable around these people sometimes and it's okay because you haven't dealt with that before. So we have, we know the struggles, we know how to communicate with them. We know how to sit down and talk with them and we can partner with these churches and these communities and be able to say, Hey, we'll help them with their emotional growth, but you can help them with their spiritual growth. And that's, what it should be about. Like we should be able to help each other and be able to see the difference that Christ can make in somebody's life. Like I just recently uh, dealt with one of our people, you know, he um, was struggling real hard and just ended up going back to some things and um, he's still dealing with the, you know, the forgiveness of himself and, I had 
just keep on reminding them like it's not like don't worry about me being disappointed in you like that's i'm just a human i'm just a person i'm going to continue uh to do as christ has commanded me to do and that's the love and i'm going to continue to help you and support you in whatever way and you know just keep looking to god for the answers and look to god uh, for forgiveness and to forgive yourself so that even you can reconcile with yourself of the things that you've done in your past so um i just think about as speaking with uh my pastor and he was talking about you know look how society uh and or the culture going back to matthew or even in mark where it talks about um jesus cast out the demons from the guy that was like super violent and he was breaking the chains and the shackles uh, and he cast out you know the the many demons that were in him and they went into the the pigs and you know it's how often as a society we not want to see those people receive healing you know as and i i can tell you there's probably been many people that didn't want to see me succeed or heal and that's the point of this ministry is for those people that don't have the support we're there and we're going to continue to help them and and pray for them and support them and it's through the people that help and support us you know that we're able to do this so anybody that's um donated or prayed for us you know those things help have helped us be able to help other people immensely and i just love and pray for everybody that continues to support us and i ask that if you like what you're hearing and you like the episodes and you have any ideas you want to send them um you can email us at info at healoutreach.org or you can send us a message on a direct message on any of the social media platforms uh, you can also message us through the anchor um, app and i uh, yeah i keep on pumping out the the episodes as i can uh sorry about the big laps from the last one uh i got sick so i had to recover from that and every time i would try to sit down and try to record like i wanted to record so bad i just had a hard time and started coughing and everything so uh, now i'm fully healed thank god and uh, we're just going to keep on spreading spreading the gospel and uh, working with people and showing them that uh, jesus loves them so thank you for joining us uh, please like and share and subscribe thank you bye